So, Beck, I wish we'd have caught that last bit, actually, where you said... What, what the bit say? about where you said, oh, I'm going to start, and I said, well, you might as well anyway, because you always bloody cut me off. <laughs> I know! I think what you're saying is, I'm a consummate professional with extensive public speaking experience that's really quite good at engaging an audience, but is also possibly a little bit of a control freak. I was thinking more along the lines of the second. Right, okay. <laughs> um, I'll tell you how I was going to start before you rampantly subverted my plans. Yes, subversion is my middle name. Subversion. <laughs> what's, what, what's your birth name? Is it... Is it it's you, Becky. It is Becky. I was like so, to tell people I was gifted with a life of informality. Oh. Um, so Becky Subversion Pinkard, yes. I think is actually really quite nice. I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you made a trinket. <laughs> I'm going to, I might hand make, because it's the thought that counts, isn't it? it I might is. hand make for you. A slightly shoddy quality trinket. It's going to be a hamper, isn't your... it, that you've drawn? Ooh, you... <laughs> or in clay. Some kind of nice... I only want it if it's been oven fired. Some kind of nice bonbon dish. <laughs> that you can put your little sweeties on and your sugared almonds. And um, we're going to talk about... As I watch the news. I was going to ask you... As you watch the news. Because that's what we do. That's all we do, isn't it? We just well, watch the news. And we are going to talk about... We are going to talk about what's been in the news over the last few weeks. Because it's super exciting. It's it's been full on. It's been a full on last few weeks. I've been particularly thrilled. I've been saving all sorts of stuff in my news apps. Um, Oh, you know, that'll be interesting for later. And I don't know if you're anything like me. I then promptly forget everything I've saved in my news apps. I don't even bother saving it. I just go straight to forget. (laughs) Oh, it's good. Have you got a forget button? (laughs) I don't need a button. I want a forget button. (laughs) And there are so many things I want to forget with a forget well, button. Yeah. I worked with a lady once who had the memory to read and, and remember everything. Didactic, didactic? Didactic memory? I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> I f- you've made me forget what it's called. That's even worse. Bless her. But bless her. She, she could remember crazy stuff. And yeah, she was the same. She was like, you know, some of the stuff I just want to be able to forget. And I was like, well, I have the opposite problem. <laughs> it's that 4 a.m. Oh, no realization isn't it oh no yeah yeah no i have the opposite problem yeah so i've read a lot of cool stuff most of it have forgotten but tangent tangent that word tangentially (laughs) (laughs) i can remember bits of it should we this would be a good time to tell the listeners that this is the holiday edition yes this is we're on summer vacay mode oh yes I think I am all the time these days. It's what oh, comes yeah. to being a freelancer. Oh, yeah. it's like, I'm very, just... very busy. Do you know what I, what I did last week? Uh, I, um, you know, I, I work, I do work very hard. I work very hard. I'm very busy. Um, but I was in the enviable position last week of being able to have lunchtime swims down the beach. Oh, fine, rubbing. Yeah, and it was... It was quite nice, actually. Mm-hmm. It was quite yeah, nice. Fine, and I was messaging Jetting people. around all your countries, doing your telly All my countries. All my countries. All my telly. <laughs> and then I just, I just, yeah, oh, I'm a bit hot. I was a bit hot at home and I'd been writing lots of brain ache. Break proper brain work for the kids. And I thought, oh, I'll just go for a sneaky swim. Oh. So I, I left the house. In my swimwear. Wow. Yeah, a little bit of cover-up, because you don't want to be inappropriate. That's proper Benidorm mode. It's pretty much, yeah. And I walked 
I walked to the beach. Check me out. So uh, any of you um, hackers, if you do want to turn up and stalk me at my home, I'm sure you can probably find my home address online quite easily. Uh, kettles on. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, <laughs> to join you for a swim. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's lovely. There's a lot of seaweed out last week, though, because of the thunderstorms. Oh, no, I can't be doing the beach, no. Yuck. Dan, this is what, this is what we have to preoccupy ourselves with no. in the country, you know. See, I'm one of those people that likes a stony beach. I'm like, yes, let's go to the stony beach. I don't like sand What, just everywhere. to torture your kids? No, no, they don't care. They'll pick their way across a creviced minefield full of lava to get to the sea. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a very fun holiday, Beck. Well, I, I'm happy. I don't, I don't want to see those no, photos. As long as there's no sand, I'm perfectly happy. So, <laughs> um, so talking of the news in the last few weeks, I just, I think, I think there might be a technical term for that that's got a Greek root, some kind of. You're, you're the linguist. You sand, should know. Sand phobia. Haranophobia. Did you just make that up? Possibly, but possibly not. <laughs> I'll check. I'm going to do a bit of but my classical stuff. But it's not a phobia. It's just a hatred. Mm. It's different. Miss, miss, uh, like misogyny. Miss, uh, miss, uh, no. <laughs> See, I'd, I need some more thought. You can't do these things live, it turns no, out. No, you can't make up words on um, the spot. So holiday news. Holiday news that we think our listeners should be exercised yes. with. I've just, I've got, to, I've got it coming out of my ears at the minute. It's brilliant. It's true. So, um... Hacks of entire countries, basically. I want some kind of news. Entire populist details leaked in latest breach. Do you want to do your Barbara Walters impression? You did that earlier. It was brilliant. This is Barbara Walters. We're putting to a wife. You see, you could if you could do the whole news item in that. That'd be amazing. I'll probably get a call from SNL now, basically saying I've ripped off their their skit. Oh yes, even though it's about thirty years old. We'll do a later edition on intellectual property infringement, won't we? I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, five million people's data stolen from the Bulgarian Tax and Revenue Service. Well, you know, when they just leave it lying about, it practically begs to be stolen. Well, and so the rhetoric, you know, I like a bit of rhetoric. The rhetoric after this has been really, really fascinating because they've arrested, allegedly arrested, a 20-year-old cyber security worker. Absolutely. Who appears to have been a pen tester. Yeah. Absolute legit looking, right? On the up and up looking type of lad. And has done a whole load of white hat activity reporting vulnerabilities. Working for a legit company, supposedly. But as the Prime Minister described him, he's a wizard. (laughs) He's a wizard, everybody. Like Like, a hobbit? Has he got a hobbit with him as well? Well, yes, or some some kind of animal familiar, possibly, as well. And definitely a pointy hat, which is how they knew to arrest him. Absolutely. But this is, from my perspective, this this idea of portraying every hacker as a as of a superior intellect mm. that means that it was you know a more sophisticated they attack are very sophisticated. and you did you definitely didn't leave all of that data you definitely did not protected. just map to a drive that you found wide open on the internet <laughs> right and so that's so that's one thing that i think is really interesting the dialogue there because we've had some other people come out of the woodwork since the prime minister's designation of this young gentleman as a wizard um, they've all, they've come out and said no, no. This happened last year in Bulgaria as well. They yeah. seem to have a bit of form for this. He's not that bright. <laughs> so this, you know, the idea that in a country of only seven million people, you're talking about pretty much the entire mm. adult population, mm. or the entire tax-paying population, 
And what occurred to me about that as well is that, yes, it's a hack now, but your date of birth doesn't change. Your birth name, you know, or your registered name doesn't change. So that is data that can be monetized for many, many years to come, that can be made use of for many years Wasn't the same thing, so it was in India last year, they had the breach of their national identity database. Mm. I can't remember what it was called. They had a couple of years ago, what, in the States, they had the, um, which as far as I know, data's never come to the surface, uh, at least accessible data. Um, around the voter records yeah. and registration records. And this is going back to, I'm thinking going back to 2006 when we had the Veterans Database compromised yes, as well, yeah, right? Yeah. God, was it that long ago, that one? I only know it was 2006 because I looked it up. I thought, oh, oh how long ago was that? You know, because Bulgaria made me think of it, those mass databases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what information is sufficient to be monetized or, you know, used as a target? And... Not, you don't have to have very much, do you? That's the thing. You don't yeah. have to have very much data on someone to order a credit card on their behalf. Or... Well, absolutely. I, you know, I mentioned the hack, the Netflix show mm. earlier. <clears throat> so I watched a bit of that last night, and they were talking about, from the Cambridge Analytica perspective, they had 5,000 data points on all of these you know, access uh, subject, subject people in the States. And I was watching it with my son, uh, who's almost 12, and he was like, 5,000, wow, that's, that's a lot. Mm. And I said, well, it's, it's not that much in the grand scheme of things. And so I started talking to him about, you know, think about all the different types of information that they would have had to pull together to do that. Every time you like something, yeah. every and then time to you play a game. a profile, yeah. you know, for these people. But yeah, going back to your point around like the voter information, registration information, birth records, death records, you know, things like that. Yeah, that stuff doesn't change. Right, I mess with my profile all the time. I will randomly click on stuff on Facebook just to confuse the algorithm. Oh, it's you, story. is it? It is me, yeah. So periodically, you'll love it. I'll get adverts for things like, oh, here's the latest hair extensions. I'm like, wrong, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. That's why I keep getting suggestions for... No, never mind. So if you do see, if you do see Pecky Binkard on Facebook... It's not going to take much to put two and two together, is it? They'll never find me. <laughs> As you know, another thing that I'm particularly excited about is attacks on critical infrastructure. Yes, indeed. And those attacks on critical infrastructure that may or may not have been unintended. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have the arch example from a couple of years back of WannaCry um, bringing down the health service or, well, yeah. they would, they would, the health service would counter that and say that yeah. the health service was not brought down. But yeah. medical procedures being cancelled, right? Yeah. And what we what we designate as critical infrastructure, you know, is it um, just energy facilities, transport networks? Is it the healthcare system? And I think what what it constitutes critical infrastructure is getting more and more broad as a definition. Yeah. Well, so, as we have the third party mm. effect, right? So we see yeah, right. more of that um, the, the ramifications of those follow on effects. Thinking about the the Maersk. Um, uh, situation, so they mm. completely basically fell over, didn't they? As yeah. a result, was it one or not Petcha that caused them all the trouble? I want to say it was not Petcha. I think you might be right, but the unintended consequence, of course, was that was was all of the downstream impact because of you know shipping containers basically not being able to go where they needed to go, type of thing. Um, same thing that just happened recently with the um, Hydra Norsk. Oh yeah, Norsk yeah. Hydra. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, was that the uh, steel manufacturing? St- was it steel? I can't remember. Yeah, in Norway. Made. Yeah, and same 
thing with them where they uh, basically again you know sort of fell offline had to flip over to manual processes mm-hmm. type of thing but then the downstream effects you know were such that people hadn't realized i guess sort of the ramifications of that but then this week we've had some really really clear-cut examples which i thought was really fascinating so um in johannesburg electricity supplier i want to call them city city power something like that anyway mm-hmm. um victims of a ransomware attack mm-hmm. that affected firstly their prepaid uh, electricity website mm-hmm. so there are a lot of customers in south africa who pay on meters effectively right. yeah. and they pay for that online every day great idea um obviously you know targeting the less economically advantaged members of society um, and they weren't able to pay online but it also affected the company's response to localised blackouts so directly or indirectly you ended up in a ransomware attack resulting in power outages which I thought was you know these were the things that we talked about as hypothetically horrible a few years back you know this isn't a nation state attack necessarily you know trying to bring down power lines or gas supply pipelines or anything like that it's ransomware isn't this the same thing that um, Richard Clark is starting to harp on more and more about now so I know I just saw he published a tweet um, I saw it over the weekend I don't remember when it was shared but he's, he's starting to ramp up his conversation around this as well where he's talking about you know look cyber the cyber threat cyber warfare it is real it exists it's growing and it's menacing and it to me it was the fact that you know here's this really well respected well established um granted has had some varying opinions across the years but but you know this chap is really ramping up his rhetoric mm. around this whole um thought process but yeah and then you tie it into like what we saw in south africa as well and uh, yeah, I definitely think that we're headed towards um, more of these types of scenarios. Well, and, and we were talking also, weren't we, about the state of emergency that's been declared in certain parts of Louisiana, because there, I think there were three school districts that have been brought to a standstill. Yeah, and the they're, governor they're basically systems. had to come in and say, yeah. And again, that's it's quote-unquote just ransomware, which should just be encrypting people's files for money right but somehow the impact of it is that it's well it's bringing their infrastructure infrastructure. yeah down to um not even a crawl it sounds like i mean i'm guessing they're not going to be able to process benefits claims or payments or to be able to assist with any appointments through the civil system um, or the court system you know any of the judicial stuff that happens on a day-to-day basis but yeah, I thought it was interesting that he had um, had gone ahead and gone to state emergency mm. level, uh, and that, that. and that's prompted by a fall down in the education system specifically, which I thought was really unusual. I don't always think of education as being critical infrastructure, yeah. but yeah. I guess it must be. And you you'll know better than I what it takes to you know, what the threshold is for calling a, a state of emergency. Well, it, it varies, right, state to state. So right. I think, and I'm trying to remember because they had said that they had issued a similar state of emergency um, a sh- few short years ago, and I can't remember now what it was for, stupidly. Um, but it also might be that their appetite for this sort of thing, right? Because there was one in Colorado, wasn't there? Was it last year, I think, with the education sector oh, again? Oh, that Bailey. A couple of school districts. Yeah. 
So we've got precedent for it. But um, again, it yeah. depends on what it's tied to. You know, is it mm. something that it is just sort of segregated to school systems or is it impacting servers at a greater level? And have we got sterile corridors between the different systems? Or, as we're all being encouraged to do in the UK and in other countries, you know, have we got integration between all of these different systems? Yeah. Um, I'll never forget um, one particular case in uh, a town in a country which shall remain nameless but where the traffic lights went down because somebody received a phishing email <laughs> right you know which that was florida wasn't in, it <laughs> you know it wasn't in this case but you know the traffic lights the integrated transport system should not be messed with by somebody receiving an external email there's got to be some kind of segregation between oh, I don't those know two endpoints <laughs> yeah i i I've seen some crazy stuff like that, and certainly again, net companies that should be nameless. But I, I knew of a company at one point where you could sit at your desktop in the company and literally touch any of the cash points that Ooh. were part of that infrastructure. Not my current company. We don't do cash points. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So if you are, if you if you're looking up Beck's LinkedIn profile as you're listening to nope, this, no, 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 no. Ooh, that's. This was many years ago. Ooh, I've got, I've got an image, like a kind of comic style image. Almost like a kind of manga style image of somebody with like a hundred tentacles <laughs> all reaching out to all of these cash points. It'd be a great, be a great cartoon for people. Well, that's why, what, what was the old adage back in the day, right? Uh, crunchy exterior, soft and chewy middle. <laughs> Who will we describing now, Beck? <laughs> Talking. About security, the mindset of security against perimeterization and the way that it used to be said, oh, I went very secure on the outside. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so how crunchy do you think the good infosec professional needs to be? Well, these days, oh, I think it's uh, it's less about uh, it's less about crunchiness. I think it's more about understanding the the right points. And it's not about like, I don't care about your asset anymore, right? Mm. I don't care about your laptop. I don't care about your phone. No, right. We care about That's what's all on it. Replaceable yeah, stuff. Who's touching it and <clears throat> But I think anatomically speaking, we've got all sorts of fantastic like parallels and analogies that we could make here. You know, about people's soft underbellies and oh God. those know. are just frightening ones. We're gonna give people. Their Achilles nightmares. heel. Nice classical reference there for everybody. Yes, good job, well done. You know. Doing your degree justice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not I, it's not just cliches that come out of it, honestly. Um so talking, talking about degrees and careers, um, inevitably I'm interested by the slightly spooky side of the world. And I don't mean, we're not going back to wizards and warlocks and stuff, but um, what the security services get up to. And we have had a massive publication by, um, what are they calling themselves? Distributed Denial of Secrets and Digital Revolution. Ah. These transparency advocates... Uh, releasing 175 gig of um, files from Russia's FSB, the Federal oh, yes, Security yes, Service, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which they are snappily entitling the dark side of the Kremlin. <laughs> I'll just let that one, I'll just let that one sink just, in. Just let that percolate. Um, but it's lovely, it's lovely to have the confirmation that the FSB is doing all the stuff that we would expect the FSB to do, right, one. But also, they seem to be doing stuff that's not vastly dissimilar to what 
we assume and what we know law enforcement is doing all over the world. So, you know, they're they're working on a project to de-anonymise Tor browsing. Don't you really think that every security service sort of agency in the world of any stature is pretty much all working on the same thing? Yes. And even better, of course, the cybersecurity industry is working on all this stuff as well, because they're, com- you know, complementing the de-anonymisation of Tor. We've got all the threat intel companies that say, oh, we're in there. We're in the dark web. We're monitoring all the dark web for you. <laughs> we're in the iceberg. <laughs> I can say that. You can't. You still can't say that, Beck, but I can say that. Um, so it is, it's all about getting into those dark and shady spaces, isn't it? And whether you crack it technically or whether you have people in there. And, you know, I think we have to assume that the Russian FSB has some people I'm sure they do. on tour hidden services. Um, they're also apparently quite concerned with scraping social media. Who knew? No. Um, Shock, horror. And as we already know, because they've been running the exercises, they've been looking at how they can split the internet in Russia off from the rest of the yes. world, right? So it, it, it kind of all seems plausible or externally corroborated. Um, and what really interests me about this one is that the leak has somehow happened through a contractor, whether it's been hacked through a contractor or leaked through a contractor. And what do we say about contractors, Beck? Do you think it's because Snowden stayed too long in Russia? Oh, <laughs> is it Snowden? That's something that's worth us. Maybe they have it's their own Snowden. Snowden. If they have their own Snowden, do you think his name is Vladimir? That's what I want to know. Oh, we could, but they, you could do a great movie out of this, where a bit like Bridge of Spies where you trade the Snowdens <laughs> and the Snowdenovsky across. You know, it'd be like the 80s all over again. It'd be fantastic. I only want to watch that movie if you're going to bring Mr. T into it. <gasps> but he isn't getting on no plane fool. He's... Oh, this is brilliant. Oh, there's all sorts of fun we could have with that. Or you could just... Or you could have the surviving members of the A-team... Are some of them not, not with us anymore? Well, George Peppard has died, of course. Oh, right. oh yeah, he was quite old even then. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Um, I have a funny feeling Murdoch might have died, but no, that's really? not wishful thinking at all. I have a funny... Oh. But anyway, Mr. T's still about. Um, Dirk Benedict, Face, the guy from yes. uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yes, yes, yes. He's definitely still around. Love and I'm show. sure he'll, he'll come to the opening of an envelope. Um, sorry, Dirk, I don't even know you. He's but not, he's not going to listen to this, Vic, it's okay. But he might, <laughs> and then I'll have to apologise. So I'm going to apologise in advance. Victoria Baines made that comment. <gasps> <laughs> um, did we have a... I had a serious point, point to make about that. FSB, contractors. Uh, yes, contractors. contractors. Sorry, yeah, uh, as far as I know, Mr T is not a contractor with... The company Cytec. But, but this is part of the problem these days. You wouldn't know. Because now we have even fourth party concerns right. that are being brought. We've got the regulator now, for example, coming down and saying, you've got to have a process for understanding. Not third parties, fourth parties as Good well. Good grief. I'm like, how far do they really go before we sort of draw a line in the sand? Do you think that's, do you think that's systemic obfuscation? And I don't mean that it's kind of deliberate obfuscation, but the system itself is such that transparency is a challenge. 
Well, I think we can easily hold our hand up and say that. I mean, anybody that's been in cybersecurity for a longer than a minute and a half is surely seeing that that's a problem, <laughs> is we have increasing complexity in the technical systems mm. that we build, and we're continuing to have to do it with fewer resources and less budget, and forming more and more bits out to third parties and offshoring, co-hosting, and all of this kind of stuff. Well, I think it stands to reason that we're seeing more things outsourced or contracted mm. out and yeah, we've created this problem for ourselves. But I wonder if it makes transparency impossible now. Well, it certainly feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, it, so the, I'm joking, obviously, saying, you know, okay, we've gone to fourth party. How far are we going to go? But yeah, it, it, realistically, mm. how far are we going to go? Am I going to go down and somehow find, okay, this third party I'm working with, one, let's say I've got... 30 third parties I'm working with, one of those third parties, they're working with an additional sort of, you know, 20 to 30 parties. Am I going to go investigate all of those? And then how big does this thing mushroom out? And also, it's it feels to me like a, a something of a mega trend that's been happening for many, many years, that outsourcing and, you know, contracting to third and fourth parties is facilitated by the general trend for globalisation, right? Yeah. That you, because of the richness of the market you are able and because of data flows you're able to contract something out to somebody in Hyderabad in a way that you weren't able to do 50 years ago you know so I'm not suggesting for a second that we want to reverse that trend necessarily but it's it's a place we've not been in before really but it goes back to the earlier point that we just made around data understanding Mm. what data is critical where does that data sit who has access to it right and all i think this is proving is showing that we still aren't great even the fsb aren't great at that right right mapping your assets one of the (laughs) principles the founding principles of information security what do you well what have we got (laughs) where is it and who's touching it (laughs) yeah and it's um we we were talking very briefly earlier about the hack And, you know, when you think about the scrutiny that Facebook and Cambridge Analytica have been subjected to now, and also the scrutiny that is required of GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to ask the question, given how complex our value chains and our process flows are now, you know, how realistic is it? How achievable is it? For us to really know where all of the data yeah. is all of the time. Well, what if we, again, what if we just sort of, we, we stuck a stick in the sand, right? And we just said, oh, not achievable. And then we were to work from there. Because it kind of feels like we're chasing, what do they say, a ghost in the machine, mm. right? We're chasing something that we can't actually achieve is a little bit what it feels like to me. So yeah, what if we were to do that and then completely rethink this approach, which, can we just tie that, I just realized, can we just tie that then to your 5G oh, yeah. article that you talked about, because or that you mentioned earlier? So you're talking about pragmatic cybersecurity. Well, basically. God forbid, right, that we... <laughs> I have been accused in the past of being a practical... Did I tell you this story? I was having a conversation, I can't remember now who it was, uh, maybe my last boss, and I was sort of bemoaning the fact, I was like, I don't feel strategic enough, I worry about being more strategic, you know, my leadership capabilities, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was lovely, I thought, but he said, he said, Becky, you're a practical leader. And so it, it mm. really encouraged me at that point in and time. And that's quite strategic, <laughs> isn't it? I don't even know now. I've completely forgotten what strategic means, but I just... I sort of oh, well, if you're in the military <laughs> and you've got all your distinctions between strategic, tactical oh, and operational, operational and all that, yeah. yeah. 
I don't think that's what we meant, though, is no, it? No, not at all. And, and, and you don't want me to talk about the classical roots of the word strategic <laughs> and how it's all about, you know, generalship, strategos. All right, yeah. Okay. So what, <laughs> Stop what, yourself. I'm so proud of you. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, so oh, 5G. Pra- yeah, pragmatic. You said pragmatic, yes. And, and I agree. I think pragmatic is good. Well, I think it's important to be able to, to be strategic. And I think this 5G article that you've pulled out yes, is so, enlightening along that front. So some listeners will know, and you certainly know, Beck, that I am super interested. It's probably the most interesting thing to me at the moment. And I say interesting quite a lot, so I find quite a lot of things interesting. <laughs> but this particular thing is um, what I would call the rhetoric of insecurity and the rhetoric of incapability. So saying that something is quite hard in cyber. Um, and in particular, I am one of the people who scrutinises what law enforcement says about cybersecurity and cybercrime. And this week or last week, there was a really, really interesting interview with um, Catherine Debola, who is the executive director of my old agency, Europol. Um, and they've done a new report called Do Criminals Dream of Electric Sheep? on um yes and um as i was saying to a colleague in cybersecurity, if you have to explain the reference to philip k dick on the inside cover of the report you've chosen the wrong title for the report <laughs> maybe the wrong audience sorry guys i love i love you all dearly at europol but don't use a hipster title if your audience isn't going to understand it um so the, one of the items, I mean, the, it's a bigger report about how changing technology is going to be a challenge for law enforcement. And again, you know, newsflash, it always has been. Um, there's a really, really great book called The Victorian Internet, I think, where, uh, which talks about the moral panic around the development of the telegraph. Yes. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> and all of that. Uh, or when, uh, when, um, when I was a kid and um, Walkmans came out, Oh, oh yes! All these children attached to these devices, not listening, not paying attention. Although, although people did get hit by cars, didn't they? <laughs> the um, death of society as we know it. And it was. It was all downhill from there. So, the, but the um, the point that's been really picked up on by the media, and has been to a certain extent lampooned by the tech media, um, is that five G networks are going to make uh, monitoring by law enforcement more difficult because law enforcement's perception is that the the way 5G is going to be structured is that data is going to be scattered across lots of different elements of the mobile system. Now, GSMA, uh, the Association of Mobile Operators, has pushed back a little bit on this because I think Europol was a bit upset that they'd been not had so much leverage over the discussions around law enforcement interception. So it's uh, to be honest with you, it's not 100% clear to me reading both Europol's side of it and GSMA's side of it, um, whether this is going to be a major problem in policy terms, whether people have been left out of the party and, you know... Or they were at the kids' table instead of the adults' Something like table. that, right? Or, <laughs> or, to use a nice feminist analogy, they were asked to leave the gentleman to the smoking room after the dinner. <laughs> they were uh, not included. They were not included in the important discussions. Right, so, so there, there may be something around that. Um, and certainly when we're thinking about 5G, the whole point of 5G is ubiquity. So you're going to be moving, but, you know, it's going to be a, an amplification, if you yeah. like, well, of what, what we have with 4G. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we had all of, do you remember all of those really excited conversations about WiMAX? Yes. A few years yes. back. Yes. It's that, isn't it? But you're going to be hopping from one 
uh, provider to another, just it's going to be more granular. Um, To me, as someone who's been observing law enforcement's practical challenges with end-to-end encryption, with, you know, use of the dark web, um, and now with this... It seems like something that's going to be more work mm-hmm. for law enforcement well, to piece all of that data encryption, together. Same thing with encryption. Tor, you know, same as you mentioned with Tor, yeah. same thing. You know, yeah, they're going to have to work a bit harder to figure out how to keep up. And, and but isn't this just a reiteration of every single one of those you know advancements that's come along previously? I think so. I think so. And I, and and I think we're going back to being pragmatic and realistic. The reality is, as with end-to-end encryption. It's the default for secure services now. Mm-hmm. So some of the kind of very heated conversations we've had uh, in the public eye between law enforcement and tech companies about going dark and, mm-hmm. you know, particularly in the wake of the, the San Bernardino attack a couple of years ago, you know, Apple not being in a position to release um, the attacker's iPhone. Yes. Um, and you know that this isn't necessarily just a principle thing it's an architecture thing it's a mm-hmm. technical thing it's a protocol thing mm-hmm. that uh, if you can get in you can get in for everybody you know there is that the back door is the word yeah. you know um, and so it seems to me that 5G is of the same order you can't it, it would it feels unrealistic to me that the world's mobile operators would structure 5G in such a way that it benefited law enforcement interception, when that might not be top of their list to deliver that. I absolutely think it's probably not top of their list. <laughs> are they are they being asked, or, or potentially even in some areas, I guess, demanded to, to be inclusive of that? I would imagine so, just based on you know what we see coming out in the news all the time around law enforcement access requests into various areas of technology. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, right? Because mobile operators, you know, might be based in the EU, but might be operating in countries like Ethiopia, where there is, you know, or even Syria, let's say, where there is significant government surveillance of civilian activities, where they may be required to um, provide a facility for law enforcement interception. Well, China, I mean, similar, you know, activities there for any travelers, obviously from a business perspective. I know anytime we've sent someone there, you know, you immediately think, okay, they're going to be surveyed. How, how do we, you know, mm. take precaution against this? And it's no coincidence, I think, that um, countries with questionable human rights regimes and aggressive surveillance activities right. are quite often those countries where the government owns the ISP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is not very far removed from the ISP. Yeah. You know, so there's... So I think it's interesting times ahead. There's that, it's, it's that yeah. I word again. Yeah. But, you know, really, really fascinating times ahead with this. But do you think, and I, I, I think we touched upon this when we were chatting about this previously, this also boils down for these guys to a plea for budget. This is basically like, oh, it's, it's getting more complicated, it's getting difficult, you know, we need the money to be able to do this. Which makes sense in the grand scheme of things. I don't doubt that they need the budget to, to, to that, perform. That's certainly, the timing has certainly been called out by Gizmodo and, and other tech press sites. And I wouldn't be able to say for certain, you know, one way or the other. Um, but I think, you know, the persuasive way to do this is to cost it out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you're willing to 
raise the issue in public, then cost out the business case in public. Mm -hmm. Say, well, we've worked out that it will cost us this much to bring all of this data together and aggregate it in such a way that European law enforcement can meaningfully Mm -hmm. track somebody's communications. And there will be, you know, there are thresholds for that, for terrorism, for child abusers. It goes back to that transparency thing though, doesn't Mm. it, right? There's such a lack of transparency across so many aspects of security in various verticals and various bits of critical Mm. national infrastructure. And uh, it it makes you question, will will it ever be like that? Will we ever get that degree of transparency? Yeah, and as you know, one of the tubs that I've been thumping over the last couple of years is we hold tech companies up to a certain level of scrutiny and that level of scrutiny is absolutely right and proper. There should be transparency on when data is being handed over to law enforcement, to other third parties, what content is being removed, you know, what speech is being silenced. But equally, we should be, you know, able to scrutinise the number of law enforcement requests that come in from the UK on counter-terrorism. There should be greater, you know, governments can't, I think, fairly demand greater transparency from tech companies unless they're exhibiting it themselves. Unless they turn the lens themselves, yeah. But I think that also goes back to a lot of the problems that we see just with government in general, and we can't go down this route because we're going to need a much longer podcast. There are are bigger problems in government right now, Beck, than the ones that we've got with them. But yes, I highly recommend the hack. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I've only seen 40 minutes of it. And I'm already like, I'm sucked into it. I'm going to try and finish watching it tonight. Yeah. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is I'm going to keep monitoring the holiday stories. And what I do is I ping back and I go, ooh, the thing, a thing has happened. Let's talk about that next time. Um, And as you know, all of these shows are, you know, quite considerably planned. Oh, weeks ahead. (laughs) Weeks ahead, I've actually written something down for this one. I'm really pleased with myself, and I'll be giving myself a gold star later well, for it. Well, you've already had some cake. What else do you want? Mm. That's true, actually. <laughs> so on that note, I hope you all have a lovely time on whatever beach you're going to. Definitely, yes. Please That's tell Vic all about it and make her jealous. Where are you going, Beck? Where are you going for your holidays? Staycation. Staycation. <laughs> you can go to my beach if you like. It's ace. <laughs> We're going to show up on your doorstep. You're yes. going to be like, oh my God, she brought children. So I, I invited her. I didn't really want her to come. I was just being polite. Does she not understand British customs? <laughs> so. Barely. Let me tell you. Because in the South, you invite somebody in the States. Oh, they show up. They show up. You don't talk bad about them until they leave. Right. Yeah, no, no, that's true, actually. I was, and so we will finish on this anecdote then. That's me exerting control, yes, like the fine. aggressive type I am. But see, I'm okay with that because um, I'm laid back. Yeah, I was... So in my, in my first few days, really, working in the European Union, um, I, was, I was told I was two-faced. Oh, right. right. And I thought, wow, that's really, that's really horrible. I didn't... What you mean? I was don't it, say what I mean. Was what? it an American that told you that? That's quite blunt. For no, someone to say I know, right? <laughs> um, no, it was. I, I was told that because I was a Brit, I was inevitably two-faced, uh-huh. and there was that whole thing doing the rounds of 
you know, what Brits actually say oh, yeah, well, and what they actually yeah. mean. Like, oh, that's a very bold idea. They know that's a Facebook meme, right? And what, and yeah, and what they actually say, what they actually mean is, that's the worst that's flipping the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> We're never going to mention that idea ever again, okay? But I just wanted to let you down gently. Um, but I, yeah, I was told quite clearly, oh, well, you Brits are two-faced oh. because you come in and you say that everybody's got good ideas and then you go away and you do your own thing anyway. <laughs> so... That's yes. just called efficient. So from one blunt American, a southerner no less, <laughs> one two-faced and, Brit. And one two-faced Brit. <laughs> Have a lovely summer, Happy. and we will speak to you all soon. Happy holidays. Bye. Cheerio.